I like that. Ezekiel said to those dry bones, live. You know, actually in Ezekiel 16.6, one of my current uh, meditation scriptures, uh, I love that scripture. It talks about, man, when I passed by and saw you polluted in your blood, I said to you, live. I said to you, live. And uh, sometimes one of my kids, he, he get a, a uh, what do you call it? A bloody nose sometimes. So, uh, man, after I found that scripture a couple months ago, he got a bloody nose and we said, I said, live, I said, live. And what? it dried up like that, you know. So praise the Lord. You get a scripture, you get the word of God, let that word live in you and you have a solid ground to stand on. Sometimes you, well, all the time, you just need one word from God. And when he gives you a word, man, uh, it, it, it changes everything. It changes everything. In fact, uh, as we were worshiping uh, in that song right there, I did not have this in my notes, but um, uh, I was reading uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, uh, this scripture came up, so I turned to it and said, And I, brother, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, verse 1, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And uh, man, you know, he said, Paul said, it wasn't like with natural knowledge and thoughts that I came to you. I came with the power of God in demonstration of his spirit and of power. But he said, I was making known to you what? The testimony of God. In other words, what God told me, that's what I let you know. So as soon as God tells you something, as soon as you hear from God, that's uh, Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the second you hear from God and how you hear from God. Well, you go right to his word and you hear what he says to you and about you. Best place I know is in the epistles. Find out who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ when you're born again. And you'll find out that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that he has made you right with himself by his son, Jesus Christ, by the very blood of Jesus. The way you get to be righteous is you have to be born all over, born from above. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God who has reconciled to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, uh, reconciling the world unto favor with himself. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so the way you get to be righteous is you are born righteous. It's the same way you get to be a man or a woman, no matter what the world says. Your biology says who you are, what you are. And so the same way that you become male or female, in other words, the same way that you become human is the same way you become righteous. You are born that way. So you must be born again to become righteous. It's not through the things that you do. It's not through all of your effort. And even though your effort may be for a good cause, may be for a good reason, may even be for the work of Christ, but it is not through our works or our efforts that we gain access to God. It's not because we have uh, worked so hard and done so much and prayed so much and read the word of God so much uh, in that sense that we receive from God. Now, the more that you read the word of God and pray, if you're actually reading, which I call feeding on the word of God, if you're actually praying, which I call entering into the presence of God, if you're actually doing those two things, man, you become so aware of him. Uh, if, my, if you abide in me, Jesus said, live in me, and my words abide or live in you, you will ask what you will, and it will be done. That's John 15, 7. If you do that, you'll find, man, the things of God become more and more uh, clear, like the fog begins to lift and move away and the things of God become vivid. And the way you get that vividness is by yielding to the spirit of God, because uh, you don't have to have any 
person teach you things. In fact, we really can't teach, but you can learn. I heard that from T.L. Osborne. I thought, what is that? And man, the more I meditate on that, the more I'm like, that is so true. The word of God, the spirit of God himself, he will make God's words real to you. And when he does that, that reality punches a hole from earth to heaven. And that reality, that hole punch from earth to heaven actually gives a access for a divine flow of the very life of God. If you receive the word of God, which is the very son of God, you can receive everything from God because everything comes by him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. No one can come in without going through the door. No one can come in through the windows or illegally or steal access, but you have to go through the door and the door to heaven and and the door to God himself, the author of all life and the author of all authority is his son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. He is the way to heaven. He is the way to the father. No one can get to heaven except through him. And it is not through works or through your effort that you get to him. It is through his work and his effort and his blood and what he did on the cross. And so it is by him that we have righteousness is by him that we can stand before God like we belong there because we he made us part of the family of God when we accept Jesus as our Lord as our Savior we are made brand new on the inside everything changes on the inside I'm not talking about your stomach and your liver and your lungs and your natural pumping heart. I am talking about your spirit man, the real you, the core of your being, the one that doesn't age, the one that is renewed every single day, day by day. The outward man perishes or is decaying, some translations say, or is dying, some translations say, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Think about that. Every day you're renewed in your spirit. Every day you don't grow any older in your spirit. Uh, people are looking for the fountain of youth. This is the fountain of youth. Like this is eternal life. This is the same substance that sustains God. It is called Zoe, the very life and nature of God. And Jesus said, this is the whole reason I came was so you could have this. In other words, he is love because he didn't want to have this just himself. He didn't, him and God, like we're just going to sit up there with the Holy Spirit and enjoy uh, this substance of life, this real satisfaction ourselves. No, I want you, he said, to be a part of this. I have come. I have left my throne in heaven. I have left my position in heaven. I have, Colossians said, laid aside my mighty power and glory and became as a mere man, as a human being, so that I could win you, so I could get you for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what he was going to do. He knew the price he was going to have to pay. Even he sweat, as it were, in the garden, great drops of blood. He went to the cross and through the cross before he was on the cross. In other words, he conquered that cross before he was actually on it. And no man took his life from him. He gave it himself. It was his own choice, his own decision. It was the will of God for him. He even said, Lord, if it's possible, in other words, if there's another way to bring those that I love back into our family, please let's do it a different way. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In other words, sometimes you might think like, well, that's just Jesus. It's easy for him. Of course, he wants to do whatever God wants him to do. No, no. He said like, not as I will, but as you will. In other words, my will is submitted to your will. And even though he wanted us, he wanted to bring us back, man, the price was so high, 
his flesh recoiled at the thought. Right? You ever have a situation where your flesh recoils at the thought? Well, sure you have, if you've ever walked in the love of God. Right? Your flesh recoils at the thought of walking in the love of God. Like, well, no, because I want the credit. I want the credit, right? No, because I want what's mine. You know? No, because they deserve to feel bad. They deserve to have this problem. Oh, I just, you know, I, I, you know love thinks no evil. And some people think, well, you know how they did me, so they need evil. No, that is not the love of God, right? Your flesh recoils from that. Your flesh is like, no, they need evil. They need evil. No, but your spirit says, you got something uh, inside you, kind of like somebody said one time, scratching me. You're like, eh, 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 don't do that, right? Well, that's what the Bible calls the love of Christ will constrain you. Like, in other words, if I'm trying to leap off this, the love of Christ would grab me. How do I grab myself? Grab me and stop me from leaping off like it's constraining me. It'll constrain you. The love of Christ will constrain you. It is a constraining force. In other words, your flesh wants to just flesh out. Well, your flesh wants to have its own way, its own desires. Uh, mine, 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 mine. Your flesh is always self-centered, but your spirit is always God-centered and Christ-centered, which is therefore other-centered. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing. Maybe you're like committing grave sins as you watch this. That makes no difference if you turn to Jesus Christ, turn away from all of that and turn to Him. You cannot make yourself right through what you do. It is through what Jesus Himself has done that we gain access to the kingdom of God, the family of God, and the peace of God. Man, you're not walking for the Lord, living for the Lord, and you're living in a different arena of life. Man, you don't even, you've never experienced this peace. This peace, it, 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 your mind cannot comprehend this peace. This peace uh, so envelops you that it changes your perspective on everything. You're like, this is different. I've never like... If you've never experienced it and you, you experience it, you, you'll, your mind will be puzzled because it's not with the natural um, abilities of your mind that you comprehend the peace of God. It's not with the natural or the abilities of your natural mind that you comprehend the love of God. These things are spiritual, they're heavenly, they're godly, and they are only discerned spiritually or by receiving the Spirit of God. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't receive Him in fullness, but you do receive the Holy Spirit. And so when you look to the things of God, if it seems like, man, I, 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 this is really difficult for me to grasp hold of, well, that could be an indication that you're trying to receive the things of God through the natural your natural faculties or abilities. What are those? Well, some of those are your natural thinking, uh, your natural reasoning, or even through your natural flesh. Like, you know, somebody like, uh, I'm going to attack the devil. I want to beat him up. You know, and they think like with their physical body. No, 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 no. That's not how you defeat the enemy. You defeat the enemy with the sword of the Spirit, which is the very words of God. 
It is the rhema of God, the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. In other words, words that in that moment come from the very heart of the Father, touch your heart, ignite your tongue, and you speak those words. And when you speak those words, that cuts like a sword the power of that attack from the enemy, and it stops him in his tracks. And that, you know, doesn't mean he, he won't, uh, what'd you call it, uh, try to find a different avenue of attack. Look at Jesus. Uh, he was filled with the Spirit, and then he was led in, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by the devil. And when he was tempted 40 days by the devil, we have like three major temptation accounts. And in those three major temptation accounts, we find out that Jesus would speak the word and it would sever the power of the enemy in that situation. But then the devil's like, oh, that didn't work. Uh, let me try something else. I'm going to take you up like onto an exceedingly high mountain. And I'm going to tell you, look, all the powers of these kingdoms have been given into my hands and I'll give them to you. You know, if you just like cast yourself down. And Jesus, what? He spoke the word. He spoke the word and stopped the enemy. And then after he did that, those three times, it says that the devil departed from him for a more opportune time. Right? So it doesn't mean, it doesn't say the devil departed him forever. It departed from him for, he departed from him for a more opportune time, right? In other words, uh, this dude is so conscious of who he is and what he has and the very words of God that I have no access to him. I can't get to him. I got to come back when maybe he's exhausted, I got to come back when maybe he's, you know, some other circumstance, right? When you know the devil tries to attack you more in those type of, type of circumstances. So we, we don't look at ourselves or other believers or even Jesus as natural. You may have looked at him that way before, but that's not the Bible instructs us to no longer look at people according to the flesh, but according to what? The Spirit. Uh, because the Spirit is eternal. That's the real thing. It's the real thing. It's not Coke is not the real thing. The Holy Spirit is the real thing, right? It's the real thing, dude. Okay? And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're still in the same series. Don't get concerned. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal or temporary, and that means subject to change. And that is such good news. The things that are seen are temporary temporary and subject to change. You know, sometimes you might just, you might just let a shout, let a shout out next time you go in front of the mirror and just say, oh, this is subject to change. This is subject to change. In the bathroom, you say, this is subject to change, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're really young, you don't understand that, but you better be sobered by the fact that it's subject to change, right? In other words, uh, beauty is only skin deep, and, uh, you know, the outward man is decaying. And so as your body ages, your spirit's renewed every day, uh, but your body is still aging and it is subject to change. And so what does that mean? Well, uh, you know, if you have sickness or disease or um, any infirmity, any attack physically, that is subject to change. It's temporary. It will change. It will change. Well, you want it to change, uh, not that it kills you, but you want it to change that it leaves, it gets killed, or its power gets severed. Well, how do you do that? 
you just work really hard at it and you quote every scripture you possibly can and you know if you're not quoting a thousand scriptures a day you're not doing no 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 you from your heart you receive eat the words that God has spoken concerning your situation concerning health concerning healing well how many no no see that's the wrong type of thinking that's what I'm trying to address it's not that type of thinking it is what God makes real to you or you, you just know like okay this is what it is it's right here it's right here you know um uh, Kenneth Hagin, uh, who uh, taught us so much and, uh, you know, really kind of fathered us in the, in the things of faith in God. And um, he, uh, he just, he was uh, paralyzed, uh, had a deformed heart and a, a incurable blood disease. And so he's there paralyzed in bed and... Um, you know, he wasn't even born again, actually, when he was first uh, became uh, bound to that bed. And uh, he got born again and um, through, through, you know, receiving the Word of God, of course. And, uh, but he's still paralyzed. Well, God loved him. And that was not the will of God for him to be in that condition. But God has to work with His Word, right? And so he was uh, endeavoring to give Kenneth Hagin the substance that would raise him off of that bed completely well and restored. And um, so he's laying on that bed and people would start to say these different things to him. People that loved him, that meant well, and you know they would just give out of what they had, which was natural human wisdom, right? And so uh, some people say, you know, just a hold on just a little while longer and it'll all be over. In other words, you're just going to die on that bed. It's, you know, if you just, if you just, uh, you just hold on, you know, keep the faith, but not the faith of healing. I guess the faith of, you know, you, you should die in faith. Paul said, die in faith. You know, it's a glory to die in faith, you know. So, but uh, I think they just meant like, just go through the excruciating circumstances and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll end up in heaven or something like that. Well, uh, you know, people would come and, you know, he, he, he just had from the Lord in his heart, he kept getting this, you know, you don't have to die at this young age. And uh, so then, but he didn't know what the Bible said. And so he would ask, he, he, he had a hard time, he'd sometimes take him 10 minutes just to turn a page in the Bible. So when anybody would come, especially a minister, man, he wanted to talk to anybody that knew anything about the Lord and the Word of God because he wanted to ask him, wait a minute, is, is, it, is it true? Like, could, could, I, could I be healed, right? But uh, a lot of the ministers wouldn't even come see him. And then, the, you know, the ones that did were like, well, you know, he was so, uh, uh, what do you call it, incapacitated that he couldn't even hardly communicate with the one minister that came. And it's a good thing that he didn't because that minister was like, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. You're just, you know, going to die, basically. And so um, while he's there on that bed, the Holy Spirit in his heart, just begin to speak, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whoever uh, says to this mountain, uh, be removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Well, man, that, that just registered on him. And it registered so much he couldn't get away from it. And so he said one night, he said, I must have read that a thousand times. And uh, not because he's trying to get healed, but he, was tr he knew because his spirit was talking with the Holy Spirit, 
and, and, and in, uh, what do you call it, um, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And um, he was born again. So he was in relationship. You know, there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. And so he was a child of God. But he could have been a child of God uh, thinking on those things, meditating on those things, and not had the fellowship aspect. You know, uh, Patsy uh, uh, Caminetti used to be Patsy Bierman. She, uh, she said, she asked him one time, hey, um, what were you doing? Relate your healing testimony again to me. And, uh, you, know, she, you know, he said, well, I was, you know, quoting the scripture and believing God. And she's like, well, were you like talking with him? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I had such fellowship, such sweet fellowship with the Lord. And he said, if I hadn't had that fellowship, I don't think I'd have been raised up. In other words, it's not just like um, a, uh, uh, well, legalistic's not the right word, but it's not just a, a clinical, that's the word, a clinical word or a clinical uh, application of the scriptures. Like, okay, so take this three times a day, confess this three times a day, uh, and, and, and you'll be healed. No, no, he was following the leading of the Lord. Uh, but then people would come, and the way he would describe it is he said like they put the light out. When they would say something, they'd say something from the realm of reason. Like his, his uh, one lady came to him and said, you know, uh, I had a nephew and he had just this exact same conditions as you do and he died. Right? Well, that's not very encouraging to somebody that has those conditions, is it? Well, thanks for the encouragement, lady. <laughs> really appreciate you. No, but he said the whole time, this verse that he knew that there's something, it's in that verse. The answer's in that verse. And so he couldn't get away from it. Well, the whole reason I tell that example is uh, if you will yield yourself and look to the inward part of who you are, to your spirit, where the Holy Spirit speaks, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, uh, Proverbs 20, 27. Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 14 and 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 16, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so the Lord's going to speak to you, lead you, guide you primarily, or in those scriptures it says uh, He'll do it through your own spirit. And we know that that's the primary way that He leads. And so in His Spirit, He kept having this verse. Your answer is in that verse. So once He was able to kind of continue to focus on that verse and receive from that verse, like, okay, the Lord's like, it's in here, it's in here. So as soon as he looked at that and he renewed his mind with that verse, he began to get what? Light. Light came on his path and that light that came on his path uh, made the way for him to walk, uh, uh, spiritually speaking, and that walking, spiritually speaking, created a natural walking. He was raised up. Why? Well, because he believed he received when he prayed. And uh, then the Holy Spirit said, well, if you believe you receive, then what? Well, you would be up. You would get up. Well, people get up. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. You shouldn't be in the bed, right? So what happened? Well, he said, okay, I believe I'm well. And he said, you know, he said, I actually expected this to take a lot longer than what it did. He said, it actually only took 10 minutes. But he said when he saw it, that he had to believe that he received before he had. In other words, uh, a lot of times we're looking and we're saying, okay, as soon as I feel a change or as soon as I see a change, then I'll believe that I am healed. But that's not what the Word of God says. 
The Word of God says you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Not you will be healed by the stripes of Jesus. Because why? Are we going to go and crucify Him again? Are we going to go and put stripes on Him again? No. You were healed, 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes that were laid upon Jesus. Those stripes healed you and set you free. And so you were healed then. And so, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, Jesus said, have faith in God in verse 22. In other words, this, let me tell you how faith works. Let me tell you what happens. Number one, you rely upon God. How do you rely upon God? Well, you have, and whoever will say, well, how do you know what to say? Well, I'll tell you how to know what to say. And the words that will never fail. You get the words of God, kind of like have faith in God or lay hold of, grab hold of the very faithfulness of God. That's what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two. 22. And then you speak from that place. How do you get faith? Uh, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the uh, word that God shows you. Well, how did Kenneth Hagin get faith to be healed? I'll tell you how he got faith to be healed. He listened and yielded to the promptings that God was doing on the inside of him. It's your answers in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. So he began to read Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And as he's reading those scriptures, he, he had to consume them or eat the word enough that it was more real to him than what all these other voices were saying what all these other people were saying. So once he saw that, and he, he, he was able to get beyond the veil of his flesh, the feelings of his flesh, the sight of his flesh, because like, he, he would like, uh, you know, try to get up and couldn't. There are no strength in his legs. They're paralyzed. Sometimes uh, for uh, one time two weeks, another time three weeks, he was like totally unconscious, you know, just uh, in a coma. Uh, and so he'd look and feel Right? And even, even it would prevent him from receiving from God because he was trying to receive by some other way than by believing what God had said. Right? And so when you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And so he believed, and then the power of God hit him, and within 10 minutes he was standing up out of the bed, walking around, strength and getting dressed, and said, uh, you know, I'm going to go eat breakfast, right? So he walked out and ate breakfast. His grandfather said, is the dead raised? Is Lazarus raised from the dead? Right? Because he was basically dead on that bed. Uh, he was so near death, you know, everybody counted him as dead. Well, you can't always go by people that love you. Like his mother loved him, his grandmother loved him, his grandfather loved him. And they lived in the same house with him and they counted him as dead. Right? Well, if he'd have gone by what they thought, what they believed, well, then he would have died at 16 years old. But he didn't go by what they thought. He went by what God thought and what God said, and he received what God says. So believe that you receive them, verse 24, and you will have them. And so he believed that he received his healing before he could feel it or see it or there was any evidence of it uh, that anyone else could say. He believed, he received it. And then the Holy Spirit said, well, then you believe that you're well, so get up. And so then he got up and he acted on what he had, what he believed in his heart. It caused this action. 
And so when he acted, all of a sudden, then he said, I felt something that felt like warm honey hit me in the top of the head and oozed down from my head all the way down to my body. And as soon as it hit, it started oozing, kept oozing and oozing. You can't see down there, but anyhow, oozing and oozing. And once it got to his legs, he said, he said, I, it felt so painful because he said it was like every nerve was activating. And he said, I, I could have cried if it hadn't felt so good to feel so much pain because he had never, he hadn't felt for months. He hadn't felt his legs. But all of a sudden, the, the, the feeling came back into his legs. And he, uh, he uh, walked up, well, walked away, healed, whole, and healthy. And so, but we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And we do that with the eyes of faith, not the natural eye. Because if he had gone by what he saw with his natural eye, he, he would have died. He was going just the way that the, every expert doctor said he was going to go. Uh, they had, you know, the experts from the Mayo Clinic. They called up Mayo in Minnesota and said, hey, what do, what do we do about this? And they're like, well, the doctor that's working on his case down there, we refer all the cases like his to him. He's the number one in the world, the number one doctor on this. And so all the experts had given him up to die, uh, but not the Creator. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to his heart and said, you know what? You can be made well. You can be made well. And that's what he says to you today. That's what he says to me today. You can be made well. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, uh, you can believe. It's a choice, but you can do it. You can believe. Uh, he's given to every man the measure of faith. And so you can believe, I can believe. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. God has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, verse 7 that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amplified says, verse 7, However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Message says, That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. New Living says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. Uh, Passion says, so that the extraordinary overflow of power may be seen as God's and not ours. In other words, we have this treasure from God on the inside of us, like we've been talking about the whole service. On the inside of us, we have the treasure of God. Why do we have Him on the inside? So that the excellency of the power or the amazement of the goodness of God and the power of God may be known that it's from God and not from us. Right? So we live in the flesh, and that's where He goes down and He talks, uh, the scripture I've been quoting, you know, that... Um, that uh, the outward man perishes, but the inward man's renewed day by day. And so that the excellency of the power may be 
shown to be of God and not of us. So we're looking to God, not to a human being. We're looking to Jesus, not any other man. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus said in John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And so when he was lifted on that cross, he was lifted there and our sickness was placed on him and our sins were placed on him and our poverty was placed on him. All, every, every, any kind of curse you can think of was placed on him. Every sickness, every disease, every bit of lack, every emotional or mental um, difficulty, challenge, or diagnosis was placed on him on that cross. Well, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Why? Well, because what was lifted up on that cross was the very love of God. And that love of God on the cross was directed towards you and towards me. That love on the cross was directed and was done for you and for me. It was because he loved that he gave. He gave his only son. God gave his only son, Jesus, on the cross that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have life that lasts forever, would have eternal life. And so Jesus on that cross he took your sins, he took your sickness, he took your disease, he took all of the curse. And when you see him on that cross, uh, you begin to realize that, wait a second, the, the, the greatness, this great power is from God, not from me. This great power is from God, not from Kenneth Hagin. This great power is from God, not from your favorite preacher, your favorite minister, it's of God. So that none of us can boast like, oh, hey, look at me. In fact, Paul said, why do you boast as if you did something to get this? Everything you have, you received. In other words, it wasn't yours to begin with. It wasn't yours, you know. It was yours, of course, legally because Christ got it for you. But you understand what I'm saying. It didn't originate in you. It originated in God. And so we receive that. So we see Jesus um, lifted up on the cross for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Father, that Jesus took our sins, our uh, iniquities, our sickness, and our disease, uh, all uh, of the curse, that he took it off, of, off from us on the cross and that he defeated it. And Father, I pray right now for every person listening, if there's any that don't know you or any that know you that have turned away from you or any that just know I need to, I need to get things in the right focus, in the right place. Uh, Father, I pray right now that they would yield to your spirit as he speaks to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're watching and you never have received Jesus or maybe, maybe what the word that we received today Maybe, man, the Lord is really just uh, stirring something in your heart. And you know you need to make a change. You need to make a decision for God. I want to ask you, what's the condition of your heart right now? What's happening in your heart right now? What's God doing in your heart right now? Not your physical heart, the real you. Uh, what's happening? God himself he brings dead things back to life. He creates new things out of nothing. You might think, I have nothing. I am nothing. 
God died for you. Jesus died for you. He paid the price for you. Romans chapter 4 says, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and He was raised to establish our righteousness. Or I misquoted that. He was raised because our righteousness was established. He was handed over because of our sins, because of our failures, and then He was raised again once we were declared righteous or made righteous, then He was raised from the dead and not before. He was raised from the dead, verse 25, Romans 4.25, because we were declared righteous. So He was in the grave among the dead until the requirements of death as the result of sin were fully fulfilled in Him. And when He was there, He was on the cross, what did it say? For our sins. Your sins and my sins put Him on the cross. Your failures and my failures put Him on the cross and sent Him to the grave in hell. And when He was in hell, once it was satisfied, Romans 4.25 says, once we were established as righteous, he rose from the dead. So why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because it's not what you do or what I do, but it's what he did. He declared you right with God. He declared you favored with God. He paid the price for every sin you have ever or will ever commit. He took that, he saw that ahead of time, and he said, I'm gonna take that on myself. And so verse 24 says, all those sins came on him. And he took all those sins and the penalty for all those sins, and then as soon as it was fully paid to every extent possible, he rose from the dead because we were declared right with God. Romans chapter uh, 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead for you to be made right and you confess Him as your Lord, you'll be saved. It actually is that simple, but it's the most uh, significant and it is the largest decision you will ever make. And it is a heart decision. With the heart man believes, with the mouth, confession is made unto. In other words, I can believe something and not confess it, but when I believe it and confess it, it creates the reality of it in my life. If you'd like to receive Jesus right now as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth what I'm gonna say right now. I'm gonna say it and you can pray it right after me. And if you mean it in your heart, if you say it from your heart, your whole life from the inside will change just like that. All right, if you want to pray that prayer, let's pray that prayer. Say, oh God, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again from the dead once I was made right with you. Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord and my Savior. 
Father God, I thank you that I am now your child. I am in your family. That Jesus is my Lord. And I have been forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Ha <laughs> ha. Glory to God if you made that decision. Uh, new life, life from God has just come on the inside of you. You've been recreated. Uh, get ready for the ride of your life. It's called an adventure of faith. And uh, it's, it's a lifetime of trusting God and getting what only He could produce in your life. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But you act in faith and it pleases God. And what you just did, what you just prayed, that was so pleasing to God. The Bible actually tells us that right now there are angels rejoicing because you came back into the family of God. That you came and you became a part of everything that God is and has. That is awesome. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.